sometimes when I tell you it's so freaking quiet in this apartment, it's like the ghost behind me is looking at me like, my guy, you, you dead? <laughs> Welcome back, geeks and geekettes, to a brand new episode of You Geekin'. Welcome back to the table. I know it's been a minute. We were gone during ooh, <laughs> all of October and all of November, and here we are doing an episode in December. It's been two months, and I apologize. During October, we tried something different. We, we streamed during the month of October. If you want to see those, you have to look up Phil's uh, Twitch at Denopolis93. We, we did uh, some horror games almost every week of that month. The last week we had to move. But um, yeah, that's what we did in October. Now, November, on the other hand, uh, Let's just put it this way. And November got busy, and then Thanksgiving happened, and we looked up. Oh dear God, we're in December. But it's alright. It's okay. We're back with an episode. New episode. It's a mini, so I'll put it that way. It's a mini episode because it's just me this week. Um, I wanted to give Phil a break because uh, what I wanted to talk about, I know he doesn't know as much about if I don't tell him or I don't tell him to do it. <laughs> so Phil, you get a break this week. It's just me. I just wanted to get back into the swing of being behind the mic and talking to you folks about all the geeky stuff that we like to talk about here on the show. So I want to talk about everything that's dropped or everything that I can remember off the top of my head that's dropped since the WGA SAG strike started. So that means we're going to cover a lot of nerdy content that I didn't get to talk about because we were in solidarity and still are from what I hear because uh, at the beginning of November, friggin' we thought the strike was over and that, you know, SAG had reached their deal because the WGA had reached it weeks prior. We thought SAG did the same thing and sure enough, some things were agreed upon, but it hasn't been ratified and from what I hear, there's still some things that aren't copacetic about that whole deal so i think the strike is just on pause for right now as far as sag goes and i don't want to wait anymore it's just too much crap to talk about it's just like god we missed out on talking about a lot of cool stuff from you know we'll just start start with the spider-verse stuff like across across the spider-verse amazing amazing movie i don't want to get too deep into it because i know phil saw it and i know he'll want to talk about it just know from the animation the acting the the writing the entire movie itself just like into the spider-verse across the spider-verse is just as great if you haven't seen it yet by all means go see it on netflix i think it's on netflix right now check it out and then we can get into the comments and word vomit all day about it because trust me, I'm down for it. Uh, let's see. You know what? We're going to keep this, you know, relatively, you know, quick, relatively easy. And, you know, I didn't even ask the question. I mean, I'm asking myself, but it's like, what are we geeking on this week? What am I not geeking on this week? Oh, man. I think as of this recording, the day before or a couple of days before, the trailer for Godzilla X Kong New Empire dropped and it is <laughs> it's it's great and it's terrible all at the same time just because it's like 
just last week, at the time of this recording, freaking Godzilla minus one dropped, and I heard that was amazing. When you talk about seeing Godzilla as Godzilla is mean, meant to be seen, that, according to some sources of mine, some friends of mine, that is the way you want to see Godzilla. It's it's the worst possible way to see him, but that's the way you want to see it, not the way the monsterverse has been mil- built up over here in the States, but the way it's done, you know, with the Toho series over in Japan. Apparently it's great, but <laughs> it came out at the craziest time where it's like, oh, Godzilla and Kong have to team up to beat a new villain. And it's cool. It's really cool. There's some weird stuff going on here that I wasn't expecting. But go watch the trailer. You'll see what I'm talking about. Freaking Kong has, I don't know if it's supposed to be like a metal brace or something for his hand, but I thought we were dealing with Transformers at the beginning of this trailer. I was like, what the heck is going on here? But it's still fun. It still looks good. We're all going to go see it because, you know, Godzilla versus Kong. Why the heck not? But that's what I'm geeking on this week. But to keep moving on, and we're going to stay in that realm of Spider-Verse stuff. There was a trailer that came out, ooh, I want to say about two or three weeks ago. Maybe longer than that. It's hard to tell with this movie. But Sony has this thing where they like to say, hey, we want to keep a hold of Spider-Man and all of Spider-Properties as much as we can. So we're going to continue to just make weird crap. (laughs) We're going to talk about this trailer from Madam Web. Now... I don't expect most folks to know who Madame Web is. She's she's an important character to Spider Media, but that is all she's important for, and she's not even that huge deal. The way I know about Madame Web was from way back in the 90s on the Spider-Man cartoon. I remember Madame Web pulling Peter Parker out of his universe for a couple of reasons. One was like a Secret Wars event that happened in in the cartoon and it was a bunch of crazy stuff but she's it's not like she's a spider person she she's she's a psychic and she's immobile and that when you think about her that's what that's what i see it's either you know old lady sitting in a chair wrapped with webs around her with either these weird shades on or her eyes wrapped because she's blind and she well she cannot see she can see and this new movie has nothing to do with that at all. And I am keep asking myself when I see trailers like Madam Web and the new Craven the Hunter trailer that's coming out. It's like, Sony, what are we doing? What, 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 what are you trying to do? Are you just trying to hold on to that Spider-Man license and just make weird sh- crap? I, I, I don't know. It's weird. It's like, this is a rental. I'm not going to the movies for this. Not for Madam Web, and probably not for Craven either. But from what I hear on the, on the Craven the Hunter trailer, we do get like a true Rhino, not that Amazing Spider-Man Two Rhino, but a true, true Rhino. And if you're a Spider-Man fan, you know what I'm talking about. But that that that's that Spider-Verse stuff, man. And I just I was like, I don't know. And <laughs> I don't know if I can get down with that. But staying in the realm of Marvel stuff. What else came out? Uh, Guardians of Galaxy 3. Guardians of Galaxy 3 and Guardians 3 was like, you know, 
the big send-off for not only this iteration of these characters, but it was also James Gunn's send-off because now he's fully committed to everything that's going on over at DC. And uh, we'll see where he goes with that. But as far as the movie goes, it is... Hmm, I don't want to say this. You know what, I'll say this. There's been a lot of complaints about Marvel these days, and um, this is probably another episode itself, about Marvel not being what it used to be since the end of Endgame. And I think, in my opinion, it's one of those things where it's like, you spent 10 years to get so many people hooked to these properties, and you've built up this big overarching story and all this cool stuff. Now, you can try new things and and tell different types of stories and folks aren't <laughs> folks aren't here for it and, I, and I, they try to attribute it to superhero fatigue I call BS on that again another episode another time but uh yeah Guardians 3 was one of the one, one of the big standouts from phase 4 onward into phase 5 where this is incredibly deep emotional story, which he typically James Gunn tends to tell with these Guardians movies. Is that this band of misfits who are this put together family, and and things have changed obviously since Endgame, and Peter's feeling some kind of way about Gamora, and and Rocket's doing his best to deal with Groot, and Groot's a Groot's Groot's Groot, you know. He's, he's not he's not teenage Groot anymore. He's like, oh, I hit steroids Groot. And <laughs> I don't it's it's not about keeping the family together. It's about letting them find their own way. And at least that's how things end. If you haven't seen Guardians 3, it's on Disney Plus. Um It's deeply emotional. There's a few times where I probably got emotional watching it and that's just because you never expect to identify with these characters but you do and I think that's what makes these movies the Guardians movies in themselves so endearing is it's just like no one is really expecting to fall for a group of space idiots and sure enough we didn't and to see this to be like their, their swan song it was it was a fun time I definitely advise seeing it. Um, definitely give that a shot. What else in the Marvel Universe? Mm. I can't I can't talk too much about this one either. But Loki season two. For a lot of folks, it's gonna be like. Well, I mean, everybody has this strange thing where they're really, really into Loki, and. I, I attribute that to Tom Hiddleston playing the character so friggin' well from the first Thor through Avengers and every other movie he's been in in between. It's just something about Loki and we're, we're, we're here for it. Everybody's here for it. So when the show season one came out, it was like, wow, I wasn't expecting to enjoy the show as much as I did, but Tom Hiddleston plays his role so well and so does everybody else in the show. And... It's just leading into season two. It's like, okay, where are we going from here? Because since the end of Endgame, everything's been very much about multiverse and Kang 
and with Loki, it was he who remains, who is a just a divergent, a variant of Kang. And um, season two ventures more into that. Victor Timely and a bunch of other stuff. See the show. I can't talk too much about it because I know Phil's going to want to talk about this one. And um, just know that it's really good. It ends on a really interesting high. Um, and it only makes you question what, where do we go with here? Where do we go from here for and with this character? And I really want to talk more about this when I get Phil back on the show. Marvel stuff. Ooh, I think that's all of my Marvel stuff. Mm-hmm. More comic related stuff. Oh, oh, oh. I can't believe. Uh, didn't want to talk about this one. Uh, TMNT, the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. I, like my best friend, am a big Ninja Turtles fan. I've watched almost every iteration of the Turtles since I was a kid. And we're talking about the 80s show onward. Um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was one of the first movies I had growing up. And it has stuck with me since. But this new one, Mutant Mayhem, so much fun. It, it was, uh, what was it? you know, I'm going to go full crazy on this one. It was like, we have seen these characters over the course of the last 30, almost 40 years grow and change, but they've never felt more like teenagers than they have in this newest movie. So in Mutant Mayhem, they feel like teenagers, modern teenagers, and it's just like, I don't get some of your references because I'm an old man now, but I'm down for this. I I enjoy the camaraderie between the four, and Jackie Chan playing uh, Master Splinter is the, the best thing ever. Don't let anybody tell you different. But the way these characters play out, you know, it's... I, I, I enjoy seeing these characters, every iteration of these characters as time goes on, because it's like, I'm not that type of nerd, it's like, no, those aren't my turtles, you know, you know, yeah, they're not my turtles, but that's okay, because these, these represent for the kids of today, and they very much, there's a lot of modern things going on here, and, and you know, use of technology in a way, and, and the art style oh my god i know i'm bouncing around all over the place but it's just like i'm throwing everything at you but the art style is i won't say it's necessarily reminiscent of the spider-verse movies but the fact that we're going that route where it's it's three-dimensional but there's also this hint of like sketchiness that i love about the art style in this movie and not everything is um What's the word? Balanced. Uh, not everything is like, you know, as symmetric as it could be. And that's what makes the it makes it interesting for me is because I'm always down for a weird art style or non non-conventional art style, I should say. And that definitely shows here in Mutant Mayhem. Um, like some characters are, you know, because it's all about mutants, so they're they're not some they're asymmetrical characters and it's and it shows not only in the, the way they're physically shown but 
also in their character work and it's just it's just fun to see the you know the kids be kids <laughs> i heard that uh, when they were recording they all recorded together in the same room which adds to that camaraderie when you're doing voice work and donatello will always be my boy always and <laughs> i saw so much of myself in that character it's like that's what i would have been like at that age now and it's so much fun i thought i was a leonardo kid growing up but i'm definitely a donatello boy and you guys gotta go see mutant mayhem uh how do you see mutant mayhem these days uh i think you can see that one on paramount plus but who's paying for paramount plus really if you're paying for paramount plus let me know because um i'd like to watch it again but i don't want to pay for paramount plus <laughs> so uh yeah that's that I don't want to venture into some of these other trailers yet, and comic-wise, I'm going to save that one for last, because that's going to be a, I got one for you guys. So, um, venturing back into TV, Star Wars stuff. If you have not seen Ahsoka, there's so much I have to pull back on, because I'm waiting for Phil on this one. Hey, uh, Ahsoka really really great show um i do feel like and this is just how my personal feelings are as far as disney plus shows go if you um they start off really really strong and you know there, there's there's a dip midway through the season but you're talking about a season that's only about six to eight episodes long and and, and that's okay you know you expect those you can't be on a high all the time but with these Disney Plus shows, and it happens here in Star Wars too, I thought it was just the Marvel stuff, but it seems to happen as well in the Star Wars stuff, that that finale always, for some reason, feels a little weak in comparison to the rest of the season. And, you know, I, I've talked about, I'm talking about Ahsoka, but if you're a Star Wars fan, definitely watch it. Um, I really wish I could talk about this more. Uh, be prepared if you don't know anything about things like Star Wars Rebels it feels almost like a prerequisite for this show and you might want to get the gist of who some of these characters are because they're important not just Ahsoka Tano herself but also um, Ezra Bridger uh, also I'm not going to ruin it but it's just this, this characters in here who are important based off of information from not just the baseline Star Wars stuff that you get from like the movies we're talking like the cartoons rebels and stuff like that so definitely give it a watch be prepared to not know who everybody is I do because I put my foot in everything but trust me it, it's a lot to take in and starts off really strong ends on a weak-ish note but that weakish note is just because it feels like they're trying to lead into a second season, which with most shows, of course they are. So, but to move on from that, uh, let's see. Staying on movies. I'm bouncing around all over the place, guys. And it's just like, I got a structure, but it's just so much to talk about. And I ain't trying to keep you all day. Um, Let's go to DC for a minute. I want to talk about DC. 
DC right now is in a weird, weird place where, especially at the time of this recording, they have had one movie come out, which was actually really good, which we'll talk about in a second, and one movie on the way, which unfortunately, because of the reset that they're doing to their to their DC movie line, they mean absolutely nothing as far as what it could mean for the universe, if that makes sense. We, I'll put it this way. We grew up, we grew up now in a world where we're expecting continuity because of how Marvel has done their things with since, you know, 2008. And we're expecting, especially with these comic book properties, for everything to connect in some weird way, shape, or form. And we stay behind after every movie, be it DC, Marvel, Image, whatever, to see if there's some post credits thing that's going to connect us to the next thing that's something that we've been spoiled by marvel by that's something for a new episode but um blue beetle blue beetle came out late summer and um it was it didn't do as well as i believe that it should have and that's only because there's there's great things that happen in this movie for the character of Jaime Reyes, if you don't know, he is the, in this case, the third Beetle, third, yeah, and um, he he takes on, you know, he he's the modern day Blue Beetle anyway. So he's um taking on this thing called the Scarab, which is from a different planet, and it, it gives him this suit. You know, you've seen it all before. Um, there's nothing new as far as the super heroics. I mean, it is very much an origin story. But what makes this movie fun, I'm not going to say like it's the best superhero film of all time. We've all seen origin stories. But um, what makes this movie fun and interesting is um, I'm a sucker for a hero, especially a young hero who has to kind of lean back on their family a little bit just to, you know, get through this whole thing. Because, you know, we've seen characters who, you know, Batman as an example, who... I'm going to go into this and I'm going to go into it alone. And he builds up a family, you know, after the fact. When it comes to characters like, say, Jaime Reyes, Blue Beetle, or um, even Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel, you know, th th these characters lean so hard on their families that their families become an integral part of who they are as a hero. And that's what makes this movie fun and interesting and even at some points emotional. I won't ruin it for anybody you want to watch it it's on max um but give blue beetle a shot it should have gotten more love than it did and this is just my personal opinion and i think it's because everybody's so they're so done with dc and even though dc james gunn and peter saffron are doing whatever they're doing to try to build up this new universe after aquaman um it's kind of the weird point where it feels like no one cares and I don't want it to be like that but you had so long to build a universe and you've got good movies you know there are some of these movies that are good the Suicide Squad is good Suicide Squad I don't hate it but it's good Blue Beetle is good Aquaman <laughs> a financial hit is it good it's fun Aqu uh, Aquaman's fun I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with Aquaman 2 because I'm a Black Manta fan and I like to see him get his due. 
because he did in the first movie. Um, but DC has a lot to figure out, a lot to work on, a lot to fight back for. And I don't know if it's too late for them. And that's just based off of how Blue Beetle was received. Again, good movie, but nobody went to go see it. And I don't want to chalk that up to end of the summer crap or whatever. People go to movies all the time. And I won't chalk up to superhero fatigue either because people loved Guardians. And Guardians was at the beginning of the summer. So I don't want to hear that. And uh, my advice will be to give Blue Beetle a shot. Next one. You know what? Back to Marvel. Let's talk about the Marvels. Okay, now I'm, I'm, I'm gonna dig a little deep on the Marvels just because um, I know Phil's not gonna see it. <laughs> but uh, the Marvels, surprisingly enough, is a fun time. I'm not even gonna say surprisingly. It actually is a fun time, and I was expecting it to be a fun time. The character work between our three mains of Kamala Khan, Carol Danvers, and, um, oh my god, I forgot her name. Rambo. Mm. Photon. Spectrum. That's Rambo goes. <laughs> but, uh, I forgot her name just like that. And, um, the character work between the three characters is fun. And, uh, it makes me wonder, especially because it was so panned by those who did see it. I won't even say universally because those who did see it recognize that it's a fun movie. It's not supposed to be, you know, every movie after Endgame. God, this is a conversation for another episode about superhero fatigue and all of this other stuff. But not everything has to be the next big Endgame type movie. And it shouldn't have to be. We have to build up to that. You know, we, we've got this character, these characters that we are building up in the universe now after Endgame, like um, Shang-Chi, and, and we've still got all the other TV properties that, you know, they may have something to do with the movies down the line, maybe not, I don't know. Marvel has pulled back on producing a lot of their content, which is good, because they were pumping out way too much in a year, we can all agree to that, but uh, with the Marvels, I, after seeing Captain Marvel, it, it's it's fine. I like I like Brie Larson as an actress. I even like her as a character to a point, but she needs she needs people to play off of, which is good, which is why this movie worked for me. Because she had Kamala, which <laughs> let's put it out there. Amon Vellani playing Kamala Khan. That child needs to be protected. She 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 gives such life and vibrance to a young character like Kamala Khan, which, you know, I loved her comic when, it, when the comics originally started, but even watching the show and then watching her now in the Marvels, I still love this character. And with Amon Vellani playing this character, she plays it, I feel like she's playing it as herself. Like, it's literally her just being like, oh my god, I'm a big nerd in this big, big nerd movie and I'm having so much fun. And I'm here with my heroes. And it's great. So she she is a definitely a saving grace for this movie. Um, as far as the villain goes, I, I thought in the beginning of this movie that her motivation was kind of weak. But as the movie went on and things were explained 
um, why this vengeance is being taken upon, you know, Carol Danvers for things that she had done or did not do. Uh, it makes sense. Her motive, uh, the villain's motivations make sense. It's not a terrible thing. And I feel like we're at that point where we have to just let things fall to stream after their, their, um, their theater run in order for them to get some of that win back. And I feel like folks will give Marvel's, the Marvels a chance and it'll get its win back, but it won't be until after it goes to streaming and DVD. I hoping for the best for it because I want to see more of these characters come together and Marvel does their lovely thing where, you know, you gotta stick around for the end credits and there's a thing that happens and it opens up so much, especially after Loki. I don't want to ruin it, but the, the, let's just say we're not done with multiverse stuff. Even with, you know, everything that's going on with Jonathan Majors, and are they keeping him as Kang? Are they replacing him? Are they dropping Kang altogether? We don't know yet. That's nerd news for another day. But we are, we're not done with multiverse yet. And as annoying as that may be for some people, from what you see at the end of the Marvels, kind of want to be glad that we're not done with multiverse just yet. Because we still have other things coming like Deadpool and a bunch of other stuff. There's, I don't want to venture too deep, but um, yeah, give the Marvels a shot. This is a, a humble suggestion from your uh, your humble movie guy. Uh, now, I'm going to save this one for last, but um, let's run over some trailers real quick. So, I've already talked about, like, you know, Zilla vs. Kong, how great that looks, how fun that looks. Um, other things that are coming out down the line next year, uh, there's a Ghostbusters trailer. Also, like, um, I'm going to preface this by saying, I grew up a fan of three things majorly growing up because they stick so hard in my brain. Batman, obviously, is one. Ninja Turtles is another. After that... There's um, Ghostbusters. It's one of the three VHS tapes. That's how we used to watch movies back in the day, kiddies. Uh, those are the three movies that I remember having and watching almost religiously growing up. So to see a new Ghostbusters trailer and where they're going with that, it looks like a fun time. But I, I feel like they're digging deeper into the... Uh, the horror aspect of it all, which I'm completely down for because everybody knows I'm a horror boy. It's all I'm all for it. And um, see the trailer for that new Ghostbusters movie. Here's one thing that I, I'm so ready for, so down for, but I don't know if it's gonna work or not. So everybody knows that Netflix got the rights to Avatar: The Last Airbender, and they've been working on it and working on it. Well, they dropped a trailer for it and trailer drops and I'm watching it and I'm like okay this all feels like it feels right and, you know the characters look great the bending looks good and I'm just kind of I still in the back of my mind I have this concern 
But then the concern dropped when there was something that was shown during the trailer. Um, if anybody knows me, knows that not only do I despise the last Airbender film that doesn't exist, I, uh, one big gripe that I had about it, because it was such a major, major point in the series, was um, it omitted a lot of things, and uh, a big important thing to me was... Um, Suki and the Kiyoshi Warriors from Kiyoshi and uh, they include them on the show they're including them on this new show and it's just like that's awesome that now I'm invested for some it'd be different if Suki specifically and the Kiyoshi Warriors were a very small minute part but they are an important part of the show along with our main characters you know Sokka, Aang, Katara you know, this all feels like, and when you're watching the trailer, it all feels like they're running through season one, at least, which is good. This is fine. And it's like we're getting that live action adaptation of the, the entire show where they may mash, at the very least, two or three episodes into one live action episode, which is fine. Um, I'm hoping it does well. I'm approaching it cautiously because... Uh, I've been let down before. I've been tricked by a trailer before. Because if anybody remembers that first trailer for Avatar The Last Airbender, the movie that doesn't exist, looked really friggin' good. And uh, you saw how well we were let down there. Uh, so venturing away from comic and anime stuff, as far as movies go, I've seen a bunch of other movies, but uh, one that sticks out is uh, Five Nights at Freddy's. <laughs> Again, horror boy. I grew up uh, on a lot of horror content. Now, um, when the games came out, I think I was already an adult. But um, they look like fun games. I'm very deep into the lore. Like uh, there was a point where I was reading the books, and it's 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 a fun time. I'm stuttering, <laughs> but uh, it's fun time and. When the movie came out, or when the movie was announced, and it was being done by Blumhouse, which... Here goes the movie nerd in me. Blumhouse, these days, is literally the equivalent of early 2000 Dark Castle movies. Um, Blumhouse just pops them out, and they're good, for the most part, you know, just depending on the property. But they, they feel like they're, they're sticking to their franchises, which is fine, and... Um, I think I heard that Blumhouse got the rights to Nightmare on Elm Street and that I don't know how I feel about that. But that's another thing for another time. But yeah, Five Nights at Freddy's. So I was this is another one where I was very cautious about and I was like I don't know if I want to give this my attention. But they did this this crazy thing where, you know, Back at the beginning of COVID and everything was like dual release. We're going to release on stream and in theaters at the exact same time. And I was like, oh, okay. And it's on which one? Oh, that one? I got that. I got that streaming service. I stayed home and watched it. And I guess I can't dig too much too deep into this one because Phil did see this. And uh, But to keep it straight, I don't hate it. There's a lot of things that they do with the lore, which are, um, okay. And, um, I know one thing that did 
that was interesting and disturbing at the same time is that I actually love the look of the animatronics. The fact that they are, you know, physical suits and, uh, and not just like some CGI crap fest, which, you know, we get enough of that these days. But they, they look good. They move well. Um, there's an there's a interesting creep factor there. Um, there is some sequel baiting. But the movie is, it's okay. You know, I, I'm, I'm anxious to give Phil's opinion on this one. So, I'm, you know, try not to dig too deep into the story or anything. But, because I know when I talked to him about it at one point, he was like, ah, I didn't like it. And I was like, <laughs> I want to dig deeper into that. But it's okay. You know, Five Nights at Freddy's is okay. Give it a shot. It is on Peacock. Yeah, Peacock. And, um, yeah, just have a fun time with those. All right. So I have been brushing over this list. And I saved this one for last because I know Phil's not going to see it. And I have... I have words. We're venturing back to D.C. And, um... Let's talk about The Flash. Now, as a fan of this character, as a fan of this property, (laughs) it's just, it's not great, guys. It's not, and this is me being the nice one here. Um, I grew up, again, if you guys know me, I grew up in comics, reading comics, and you know, my best friend, this is his favorite character. And it's just, it did not, this movie did not work out on so many levels. I mean, I, I want, I don't want this to be a bash fest for this movie, but the Ezra Miller crap outside of the movie aside, it's just fundamentally not a good film. You you feel, you feel like they, they, that DC at the time probably feels like the only good Flash story to tell is Flashpoint. And that's not necessarily true. There are other great stories to tell. There are other great characters to include. And to be honest, I just thought about it. They didn't even include anybody from his rogues gallery. It was literally just, just him. And so the, the, they pull loosely from the Flashpoint comic where Barry goes back in time. You know, if you're worried about spoilers, it's the Flash. Just watch the stupid movie. Um, Basically, in Flashpoint, Barry goes back in time, saves his mom, and completely alters the timeline. And that is the loosest way to kind of premise this movie along with the actual story itself. And... Barry's motivations for why he did it feel very out of place, especially for where the character should be at this point. Oh, crap. It's my phone. My bad. Um, but he, 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 he feels like, and I feel like this has happened a couple of times with a couple of movies, um, he feels like he's a step back from where he should be. Um, I don't like the suit. I'm, I'm, I'm doing rough points here. I, I don't care for the suit, and I don't care for how they animated it, just because I feel like his head's too big for his body. 
or no, 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 it's, it's, I just don't like the look of this suit. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just search for it and you'll see in a lot of shots it's wrong and bad and you know, a lot of folks, let me put this out there, a lot of folks focus on the CG of this movie being bad, they're right, and the director, it goes on record, the director, Andy Muschietti, this is the same man who directed the IT movies, and he said that's the way they're supposed to be, that is the way it looks from Barry's point of view for a lot of things, like his his time bubble and, and or dome and all of this, and it's like, no, my guy, y'all took the extra time and didn't put work into the right stuff for this movie, and... It just doesn't work on so many, so many factors. And they even try to pull you in. They pulled me in because there was a trailer that came out for it midway through because it was about a year behind. So midway through maybe earlier this year, if not late last year, there was a trailer that came out. And what do they do? They drop the Michael Keaton Batman bomb on us. And of course the nerds go wild because that's just what we do. And I was, I'm not gonna lie, I was in that same boat. You know, it's just like Michael Keaton, that's, you know, my Batman number two. You know, sorry, but Kevin Conroy is Batman number one. And it's like, I, 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 I'm down. And sure enough, I think, yeah, I spent money to go see this. Um, those, those, those points with Michael Keaton in the movie are fine. They're fun. And, they're completely unnecessary. Like you could still pull this off without him being in this movie. And you should never feel about you should never feel like that for a character who is actually a major point in the Flashpoint timeline. Granted, it's not Bruce Wayne, it's actually his dad. But no, no. It's a good performance by Michael Keaton. It's great to see him back as a character, but once the novelty wears off, it's just kind of like, yeah, I'm good. This didn't, need, this didn't need to happen. And that's unfortunate, especially for the movie. And um, another thing that was a big part of the movie was um, in Flashpoint the comics, we do come across a point where uh, Superman was not there. So, you know, they had to go rescue him because he landed in the wrong part. He didn't land in Smallville. He landed and so you know, another place and he was taken in and sheltered away from the sun and it's a whole thing in the comics and, and it works in the comics in this movie it's okay you know i like sasha kai playing supergirl i hope this isn't the last we see her of her playing supergirl because we didn't get we didn't get much she played a lot to that henry cavill stoicism um, that we got in like Man of Steel or whatever and it, it feels like they feel like cousins and it's like this, this this could have worked you know but now that we're in the midst of building this new DCEU doesn't matter and I think that's another part that hurt the movie it's just like we're doing all of this and this could have been the reset point for them for DC and they didn't use it that way because it ends and Barry understands it, and, you know, probably not the best idea that I did what I did. So let me fix it, quote unquote, fix it. And we're at a similar point, not the same point, 
but a similar point to where we started in the movie, where Barry is still doing these same childish mistakes that he should be mature from, and it just doesn't work out. And the, the movie is just not good. You know, I would watch it with friends to make fun of it. That's the only thing I can say that I would watch this. The only reason I would say watching this movie again, but I can't bring myself to do that again. It just, it's, it's a lot. Unless I'm just feeling like watching a bad movie that day. But yeah, that was, wow, 45 minutes, guys. That, that's me word vomiting everything that's gone on since, you know, the beginning of the strike as far as our entertainment stuff goes. I want to talk more about a lot of things, but got to have Phil back on the show because he's my brother from another mother, my co-host. He's, he's, he's yeah, he feeds off me like I feed off him. So... That is, uh, that's, that's everything that I can think to go over, um, because that was a lot. I threw a lot at you guys. So tell me if I missed anything as far as the, that's the, that's going to be the question. What did I miss as far as, you know, everything that happened during the strikes? Was there something that you enjoyed that you didn't get to talk about because you were like me, you know, trying to stand with SAG and WGA? Is there anything that you really wanted to just word vomit about? Let me know in the comments. Um, next time that we we'll be back on, I should have Phil back on with me. And uh, if we don't see you again, no, we will see you again. <laughs> we'll try not to be gone so long this time. But we ask the question that we always ask. You geeking? Peace.